Thank you, Zach, and uh, our worship team today. Um, mostly college students, except for Josh over there in the corner behind the bulletproof uh, drum cage there. He's smart enough to be in college, but uh, anyway. Uh, what a great time. What a great time. And this morning, uh, as we go to God's Word, I, I realized that um, this is good. It might be a little tough this morning. I, I wanted to bring to you some important theology about the birth of Christ. I wanted to get to you before uh, the eggnog and uh, before the Christmas cookies and um, the ham and the comatose that comes after that. So that's why we're handling it this morning and not tonight. Um, we, uh, we have a math problem when it comes to the gospel. And I, I don't know if you ever think about this, but so... We uh, usually, when we talk about the birth of Christ, we realize that he is a baby, uh, and he, uh, we see in the scripture that he grows up to be a man, uh, and we follow that, we follow that life, uh, we, most of the, the record that we have is from his adulthood, and we see his perfection, and then we see him die on the cross. And it's a very simple thing for us to say that he died for my sins. Uh, we talk about the humanity of Christ, that he was a man so he could die uh, for my sins. Uh, there's a problem, um, the math problem, and that's what we're going to get to this morning, is that Jesus was a man. Jesus was a man. He came to this earth and he died uh, but he, it says that he died for all, for he died for all. And so uh, if he died for my sins, how could he also die for your sins? And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, the math problem. And it, it is all comes down to the infinite worth of the son, the infinite worth of the son. I'd like to uh, pray and just ask God's blessing on our time before we dig into this important subject Uh as we seek to know more about our Savior. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of your church. God, as we look to your word, as we consider what it is to uh, have salvation inside your son, God, may we be reminded uh, both of our need and the needs of this world that is perishing and also uh, how wonderful it is, how magnificent it is that you sent your son to die on our behalf. God, thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let, uh, we talked about this last week, but let's uh, get there. John 3.16. Uh, most of you know it already, but I, I want to talk to you. Start there this morning, and then we will progress from there. Uh, we celebrate uh, the birth of a baby, but this baby, it's what he did as a man. Uh, that comes to us. But I want to connect for you that this son is the son of infinite worth. And because of his infinite worth, that's the reason that he, his one death could be sufficient for all who would come. Uh, in John 3.16, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That only son, uh, in other translations, it speaks of the only begotten son, the only begotten son. And we realize that that's not a term that we speak of. And 
And you might even have thought of this as you consider that one verse, that there are other places where uh, God speaks of other people being his child, his son. And so the idea of Jesus being the only son uh, can't be true, can't be true. And so it must mean something else. And as we look at this, this only begotten son, uh, other places, the same, the similar uh, construction is truly used of one that only has one son. But it's also used in the book of Hebrews when Abraham speaks of his special son, his special son, Isaac. Uh, you can look at even that context there and you realize that uh, he had another son from, from another woman. There were, there were others that speak of that. And so, so you have to ask the question, what is it about this? And, and so as God communicates his love, he communicates it by sending his one special, unique son, Jesus. It's this one special son. And so as you consider Jesus as he came to this earth, it's not just simply that he's the only one. Um, you know, from time to time, I'll say the thing uh, to about my kids. I'll say, uh, this is my favorite daughter. This is my favorite daughter. And uh, some of you will say, well, she's your only daughter. And I said, that sounds real common. You should probably say your favorite daughter, you know. Uh, the only one. It's not that uh, out of all the, and really to say about God's creation, who comes from him? Who is the one he's responsible? Everybody, right? But he identifies in John 3, 16, that Jesus is the one special son, the one that is different, that really the one and only special son that he has. And as we look at this idea of him being the only begotten, we need to remember that as Jesus comes to this earth, that he is this special, different, peculiar, for a purpose, son that, that God has, that he gave to the world, uh, that he would be the sacrifice. As you, uh, as you look at the, the story of Jesus coming to the earth, you'll see this that at every turn, he points to that Jesus is the different special son. He, he, at every, every turn, every piece of the, the message, even as we saw the funny little kids skit that we played here, that every step of the way shown Jesus to be different and special and, and really the gift that God had wanted to show, his love gift that he wanted to show with the earth. So he's, Jesus is not just his son, but his only, his one and only special son. Secondly, this different, he was different and special by birth. By birth, you could see really the the big thing that stands out that we think about often is the virgin birth. The virgin birth that, uh, as it spoke in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, uh, it said of this king that was to come that. Uh, he was going to be born of a virgin. And then as we look in Matthew, uh, we see that same, that same quote coming back, identifying this baby as to be the one born of a virgin. And so I, I know that some people struggle with this idea of born of a virgin. Uh, 
And you say, well, that's never happened before. That's never happened before. You're right. It hasn't. But that's what makes it this miracle. That's what makes him different. Um, if, you, if you have to understand everything, how it worked, uh, for you to believe it, you're, you're in a bad spot. You're in a bad spot. Your world is very small. Um, and it's really limited uh, by how, how your brain works. And I would never want to condemn anyone to that. Huh. Right? Uh, you see in the scripture over and over again this picture that, that God shares with us the things that we could not know on our own. And so this was part of this miraculous birth, this different and special birth that born of a virgin. Um, it's not just that he was born of a virgin, but part of that was that he was unconnected to the sin of Adam. Uh, the book of Romans, uh, you could look over there. It's really a whole section, 8 and chapter 4 as well, as they, it combines this idea of sin to know this, that all of us were born into sin. All of us. Um, it's so shocking to us as parents when our beautiful children, they're, they're born so sweet and and. And we don't, they're crying and we go, oh, they're just sad inside. And then we realize, we get to know them a little better and we realize the anger that's found in those cries. And we realize they're angry because they didn't get what they wanted. And they're seeking to train us through their anger that if I scream louder, I will get what I want. This should be removed from them before they're like 18, Okay. If you let this go on, it will not be removed. It, will, it doesn't go away easy, okay? I just want to tell you, that's why your parents, right? That's what you're supposed to be doing is removing that, that you know, you let it, I'm going to scream until you get it. I want it now. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I think. Anyways, anyway, uh, you get this idea that we were all born into sin and this sin is in us at birth and, and the connection is to Adam, uh, it's been passed down from generation to generation. And as we see the, the virgin birth, we realize that Jesus is different in that he is not born into sin as we all are. He is unconnected to the sin of Adam. You also see, and I already mentioned the book of Isaiah, but in Micah chapter uh, 5, verses 1 and 2, and Matthew chapter 2, it, it, it's this idea, this event in Bethlehem that is foretold, uh, that Jesus' birth was foretold many years before, before his parents, before his, like it, it goes on for generations, that it was foretold that the one would come in Bethlehem. And so I, I look at that and I go, what makes him different? What makes him different, not like you and me, it was foretold his birth. I realize that some of you say, well, you know, you have this family and there's a mystical side of you and uh, especially grandmothers and mothers. I just knew, I just knew they were going to have a baby. And I just knew it was going to, that, that's all fine and everything. But this isn't like the prophecy of the scriptures foretold in the city uh, generations before. As we look at this, we realize that all this points to this idea that his birth was different and special. Even look at the, the idea of um, the shepherds 
and the wise men. And, and they're uh, being called upon by angels, by angels to go and to find and to worship. You look at that and you realize that um, that's what makes this different, that this makes this, this cosmic event that the Father is announcing, He is announcing that this is different. This is different. And even as we will come back to the idea of the angels and shepherds, it is different. Why? Because He's God. Because He's God. Which brings us to our third point, that Jesus is God in the flesh. As we look uh, both in Isaiah and in Matthew and a couple other places as well, it speaks of the, the deity of Christ, that He was not just an amazing uh, born child, a son. It wasn't just that. It was that He was born God. We even sang uh, in many of the songs that we have sung this morning, this idea that the born king, the born king, and not because of because his father was a king, his earthly father was a king, but because he was born to be king. He was God before he was born. And so we look at this and we realize the, the phrase in the scripture is Emmanuel or identification, Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus came uh, to be God with us. And as he came, uh, it's really great that the first things that we see, these angelic identifications, go see the one that's been born. Uh, and this idea that they followed the star to the place. And what, did, what happened for the shepherds? What happened for the wise men? They worshiped. They worshiped. When, when they came in contact with this baby, this special baby, they knew, they knew, why? Because he was God in the flesh, that they knew that it was time to worship, time to worship. Um, we, we look at this and we realize that this baby was special. This Jesus was God in the flesh. As you go on in the life of Jesus, you realize that he identified himself as a great teacher, even as a, a child, right? Even in those early days teaching uh, with the religious leaders, and they were amazed. But then he, even as he grows to be a man, you see him being able to teach, but not just to teach, but to perform miracles, to perform miracles. Like there's, there's no way to explain them other than to say that this is God. And he said it over and over and over again to show himself as the one who is God. Even as he spoke, uh, the things that he spoke of his own deity, of him being God, people hated it, especially the religious leaders. They hated it because they realized that if he was God, that they would have to listen, that they would have to submit to him. So Jesus is God in the flesh, God with us. Lastly, I just want to say this. Jesus was the perfect man, the perfect man. I, I spoke earlier of the virgin birth, that he was not connected and born into sin like we were. And in, uh, he lived his life without sin too. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this. And it speaks of Jesus being the high priest and it's connecting with the, uh, the Old Testament sacrificial system. It says this, For we do not have a high priest 
who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect had been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. And so you start putting this together. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is this Jesus that is born? And we have the the benefit of not just seeing him as an infant, but we have the benefit of having his whole life, the, the record of his life, of who he was. We see him to be the one special son of the Father. We see him to be the one of, of different and special birth. We see him to be the one who is God in the flesh. And lastly, we see him to be the perfect man. And what that equals, what that puts together as you see that, is that he was born the son of infinite worth. Infinite worth. Now, I want to ask you a question right now. Um, How many times have you sinned? Some of you are struggling with high math right here, you know, right? Uh, You know, I only went through algebra one, you know. uh, What do you want from me? Uh, how many times, and, and when I ask you how many times have you sinned, I'm not asking how many different sins that you've committed. I'm asking how many instances of sin have you committed? And you say, you know, some of you are thinking right now, well, I haven't killed anybody yet. Uh, and, or I haven't, you know, I, I lied that one time when I was in fifth grade. And, like, and, and I'm going, no, 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 no. Think, you should not think that way. You should not think that way. A sin is anything that you have done, anything that is against God's will for you. It's, it's not what he wanted for you. It's not just an action. You know, some of us are siblings and we say, well, there was that one time I hit my sister. Or was that one time, you know, I got in a fight or whatever. It's not just those things. It's the things in your heart as well. It's all those thoughts, those, those sinful thoughts that you have had, that you dwelled upon, that you've kept in that you continue to do. It's not just the things that that people say, oh, that's bad. Pride is a sin as well, right? The idea that says, oh, you know, I'm better than you. That's a sin. That's a sin. A sin in the eyes of God. And so how many times have you sinned? And you say, well, that's a pretty big number. That's a pretty big number. And I agree. I agree. But I want to tell you, it's not an infinite number. It's not an infinite number. It might be a very big number, but it's not an infinite number. And as we come to this morning, as we come together, we realize this, that because of the infinite worth of Christ, there's salvation enough for everyone. As you look at this, I have four conclusions for us this morning as we consider uh, the son of infinite worth. The four conclusions go like this, and uh, the first one is this, that Jesus is the perfect man. He is the perfect man. Uh, you're not perfect. I always, I always think that's funny when we confess that like it's a shock. You know, I'm not perfect. And we're like, yeah, we knew, okay? Thanks for reminding yourself. <laughs> uh, uh, Jesus is the perfect man. He is the one that has come. Uh That's a conclusion as we look at the scripture, as we see who this baby was born and what his life. He is the perfect man. 
Secondly, uh, he's the perfect man of infinite worth. He's the perfect man of infinite worth. He's not just a, a singular man like me or like you that our life is worth this much. It's, it's, it can touch this much. Because of who he is, God come in the flesh, his peculiar birth, his special place as son, he is the son of infinite worth. The perfect man of infinite worth. The third conclusion goes like this. This perfect sacrifice, this perfect man was the perfect sacrifice and substitute for me. This this perfect man was the perfect sacrifice and substitute for me. Uh, We're not always feeling guilty, only when we think about ourselves, right? Right? Only when we get a clear picture of what we've done and who we are. And sometimes that shapes uh, how we live and what we do and how we act as parents and how we act as spouses and how we treat life. And that guilt shapes us and molds us and keeps us down and dogs our feet and, and, and we just can't get rid of it. I want to tell you, This is how this goes. This is where we go from it. That Jesus, the perfect one, perfect man, the perfect man of infinite worth, he is the perfect sacrifice substitute for me. I want to tell you, the only way you can be forgiven, the only way you can be guilt-free is that you trust in Jesus, what he did on the cross for you. This is the reason to rejoice at Christmas. Personally, it's the reason that we should celebrate is because because of the one that was born, we have forgiveness of sin. We can be, the guilt can be removed from us. Lastly, I want to say this. The conclusion that we come to is that this perfect man, this perfect man of infinite worth, he is the perfect sacrifice substitute for my family and for the world. For my family and for the world. What's the problem with your husband? I'm glad no one stood up and gave testimony right there. Pastor, you don't have enough time. Uh, tell me about your kids. What are, what are your kids' problems? What are the things you're fearful of? What are the sins that, that, that dog their feet? The things that... Uh, the choices that they're getting ready to make or have made. And, and you just go, how can we get out of this? What can we do? What about your grandkids? I know that's a huge burden for some of you. Problem with grandkids, you can't control them as much as you thought you can control your kids, right? And yet your heart still aches for them and, and you desire for them. And you say, what, what is it? I want to tell you, God sent his son the son of infinite worth, the one that can handle your sins, but can also handle the sins of your family, the the, the lives of your family, the people that break your heart and the things that you're concerned about. He can handle those things. You can trust him with that, but not just your family, for the whole world, for your neighbors, for the people that you care about, your coworkers. He, He can handle it all. Why? Because he's the son of infinite worth. 
This is why we should celebrate. This is why we should rejoice. This is why we should worship him. Because he can handle my sins and the sins of everybody else as well. Please join with me in prayer. God, help us to grasp in a small way the worth of your son, Jesus. Help us to understand um, our lives as finite and small, yet precious because you loved us so much to send your son of infinite worth. God, help us not to end there and see ourselves as the end all, but that we would have eyes to see our future generations, our peers, our siblings, our parents, our grandparents, and that we would look to them and, and desire for them and share with them the sweetness of the gospel that we can have our sins forgiven. God, I pray that you would work in our lives, that we would have a heart to remember, to worship the Son, to lift Him up. His place is uh, far above, far above. God, do your work in us. Uh, fill our hearts. Set us free from the guilt. Help us to be reminded of the gospel and apply it as guilt comes up. God, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We'd love to see you tonight uh, as we celebrate. I hope you have a wonderful time. If you're not going to be here tonight, uh, have a great Christmas. Merry Christmas. You are dismissed.